0: Our gospel lesson, the lesson for our sermon today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is God's Word. Maybe seen it. Dear friends of Jesus, There are no better stories than stories of lost and found. I was reading a story about a family that decided not to evacuate before Hurricane Ian just a couple weeks ago in in Florida. As the winds howled and the the waters rose, this family was forced to actually climb all the way up into their attic to be safe from the the floodwaters. When they got into the attic, the, the man, the father of the family, remembered something. He remembered his mother. The man had an 84-year-old mother who was wheelchair-bound and who lived in a different house nearby. So once he got his family up into the attic, he climbed out the window and swam and waded down the street to his mother's house. And when he got in the door, he found her sitting in her wheelchair in four feet of floodwater. All you could see was just her chin and her head sticking up above the water. He was just in time. Can you imagine how relieved that woman was to see her son? Lost and found. You also wonder a little bit why it took that long for him to think of his mother (laughs) in the first place. But that's beside the point for today. There's no better stories of stories of lost and found. It's just that it's not always as obvious as that. There's some people who are in a situation that it's pretty easy to see that they're lost. An old woman with water up to her neck. It's pretty obvious Maybe you think of a man who's addicted to alcohol or drugs. It's, it's pretty easy to see. Maybe a young person dealing with, with mental health challenges. It can manifest itself in pretty open ways. Sometimes it's pretty obvious to see who's lost. But sometimes it's not so obvious. The Bible talks about a different type of being lost. It talks about being spiritually lost. Drowning in doubts and fears, addicted to sins and to pride. And that's lost too. Lost in sin? Maybe we haven't been lost in water during a hurricane, but every single one of us has been lost. Being lost isn't always something that's easy to see. Like Zacchaeus. But just about all of you have heard of Zacchaeus, which is kind of surprising because this is the only story in the Bible where we hear about Zacchaeus, but he's famous because of the song. Right? Do you know the song? Can you sing it with me? Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. It goes on from there. You know the song. You could have sang it a little bit louder than that, I think. (laughs) And you sing that song and it sure doesn't sound like Zacchaeus is lost. He sounds kind of like a cute little guy, right? This short little man. The Gospel of Luke tells us a, a more accurate description. It says Zacchaeus... Was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Far from being lost, it seemed like Zacchaeus had two things that just about every man looks for in life he had power and he had money. He was the chief tax collector, right? The boss. And he was wealthy, he was rich. If you had looked at Zacchaeus, you wouldn't have thought that he was lost. You probably would have thought to yourself, that man has everything. In fact, I want to be like him. Except there's one thing in the story that that tells us something wasn't right. He was in a tree. How often do you see CEOs of companies climb trees? Something was wrong. Zacchaeus was surrounded by power. He was surrounded by wealth. He was surrounded on that day by this big crowd of people. And yet Zacchaeus was lost. Being lost can, can show itself in a lot of different ways. Maybe it's a doctor who is very good at saving other people but can't save himself. Maybe it's a stay-at-home mom who, to everybody else, seems to have perfect kids but who struggles with her purpose in her life. Maybe it's a pastor who can stand up and preach but struggles with his own insecurities. Maybe it's a star football player who's play- praised by millions of people but he can't hold his own family together. All right, we can have a life that it looks like it's all put together on the outside but underneath it to be in water up to our necks right it's not always easy to see who's lost in 1982 a wealthy florida businessman decided to build a beach house on the gulf coast in florida and it wasn't just any beach house it was going to be a hurricane proof beach house so he pulled out all the stops he did research, he hired various architects, he built different prototypes, he even built one in Tennessee just to see how it would look. And he finally decided on the best design and he built it right on the beach in Florida, a hurricane-proof beach house. Now after Hurricane Ian, do you, do you know where that hurricane-proof beach house is? It's somewhere under the ocean. The house was strong, there was no problem with the house being strong, the house was plenty strong. But the whole beach under it completely eroded away. It's foundation washed away. I wonder how often that's the story of our own lives. We put so much time and energy and, and effort into building our careers, or building our appearance, or building our families or maybe building our own houses, and yet, we're in water that's rising and it's up to our necks. And yet it feels like the foundation under us is just slowly eroding away. because we need more. The Bible tells us that we all need God. We need God to fill us. We need God to be close to us. We need God to love us. And when the day comes that our sins catch up to us, when the day comes that we can feel life sliding away from underneath us, it's a terrible feeling. This feeling of being lost. Some little details in our story that that point to, to how lost Zacchaeus was. First, it tells us that He ran ahead of the crowd. How many wealthy businessmen do you see running around? And then he climbed a tree. Right? He was desperate. He was so desperate that he thought if he could just catch a glimpse of Jesus, then maybe he'd feel a little better. If he could just catch a glimpse. But Jesus gave him so much more. Jesus got to that spot, he he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so Zacchaeus came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. He was was hoping for a glimpse and he got a a whole dinner with Jesus. This story teaches us one of the the most important lessons of the Bible is this Jesus loves short people. It's really true. But actually, there's something even greater than that. It's that the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Imagine how Zacchaeus' story should have ended. Right? There's this big crowd, there's Jesus. It should have ended by saying Zacchaeus went back home alone, like usual. And he said to Mrs. Zacchaeus, Well, I I got to see Jesus today. There was this big crowd passing by, I climbed up in a tree, and there, maybe twenty yards away, I I got to see Jesus and it was cool. That's how the story should have ended, right? Like when you and I get to see somebody famous, you know, you tell the story to your friend, oh, I stood up on my tippy toes and way over there I got to see her and it, it was neat. What made Zacchaeus' story different? Jesus did. What made the story different isn't what Zacchaeus did, it's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't just pass by, he looked up. But he didn't just look up and smile and give a little nod. He looked up and he said, Zacchaeus. Isn't that amazing? In this big crowd of people, Jesus knew his name, but he didn't just say his name. He said, Zacchaeus, I'm going I'm to eat at your house today. This lost man didn't find Jesus. Jesus found him. Can you see the difference? As hard as Zacchaeus was searching for something in his life, Jesus, the whole time, was searching for him. As lost as Zacchaeus was, Jesus knew him. Jesus loved him. Jesus could pick him out of a crowd. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost and and the word for that is is grace. It's God's undeserved love. God's undeserved love to the unlovable like Zacchaeus. And all the people hated it. Did you catch that? All the people saw what had happened and they muttered. They said, this man is Is a guest of a sinner. How many people did that? All the people. We hate the grace of God. Did you know that? By nature, every one of us hates the grace of God. Do you know why? God's grace means that we can't think that we're better than anybody else. God's grace means that we cannot boast about the things that we do. God's grace means that we cannot look down on anybody else. And what do we really like to do? We really like to think that we're better than other people. I mean, at least better than those bad people over there, right? We like to look down on other people. We like to boast about all the things that we do so much more than those people over there do. Do you realize this? That our sinful natures hate the grace of God. Here's a question that comes up often. It's the question, God isn't really going to let bad people like, you fill in the blank, into heaven, is he? I bet you've heard that question. I bet inside of you, you've struggled with that question. God isn't really going to let bad people like, into heaven, right? Whenever we ask that question, what are we implying? We're implying... I'm better than them. I deserve to be in heaven. God better do those good things for me, right? Because I'm so good. Whenever any of those thoughts come into our minds, what are we completely denying? The grace of God. The grace of God. If anyone is going to be saved, it's by the grace of God. In Jesus' day, do you know what word they were to put on the blank? In that statement, God isn't really going to let bad people like into heaven. Do you know who people in Jesus' day would have put on the blank? Tax collectors. Tax collectors were the worst. Maybe some things don't change that much, do they, right? Tax collectors were the worst. And so what did Jesus go out and do? He went out and he found the worst tax collector he could. And he saved him. To show that it's all by the grace of God. One sort of person asks this. Is a Christian church more like a country club or a rescue station? You ever heard this comparison before? Is a Christian church more like a country club or a rescue station? Think of the difference. A country club is a, is a place for people on the inside, right? For people who are in the club. It's always nice and neat and clean. It's probably full of, of your friends. No raff, right? No no outsiders in there. No troublemakers. How about a rescue station? It's probably dirty and smelly. Probably full of a whole bunch of different people from a whole bunch of different places. Blood. Blood. It's always tempting for us Christians to make our church into a, a country club, our own club, right? Nice and clean for people like us. No sinners around here, right? Yet, What does Jesus command us to do? Commands us to, to run a rescue station. Christian church is meant to be a rescue station, a hospital, a place with people who are broken and sick and sinful. People like you and me, for Jesus to find with his grace. Because the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. If you were here last week, I hope you sense an incredible irony in God's Word. Last week we heard the story of a rich man who came to Jesus trying to be saved. Do you know what Jesus told that man? Do you remember what he said? He said, It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Then, for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God, it is completely impossible, according to Jesus, for someone who is rich to earn their way to heaven. And so, what does Jesus do in the very next chapter of the Bible? He finds the richest person that he can find, and he saves him, and he brings him into God's kingdom. Isn't that just like typical God? Isn't that what our God does? It's just God of grace. And he's teaching us, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've been lost in, no matter what sin, whether it's, it's money and greed, whether it's self-righteousness, whether it's despair, the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And Zacchaeus realized this. God's grace changed Zacchaeus' life. He said to Jesus, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount last week jesus commanded that rich man to give his possessions to the poor and he refused this week jesus doesn't tell zacchaeus anything about giving his possessions away and yet zacchaeus all on his own completely voluntarily offers to give away half of his possessions to the poor why the difference because of the grace of god imagine zacchaeus's thoughts God loves me. God has forgiven even me. Jesus saves me. He even knows my name. Country club members pay dues, right? They have to. Rescued people live completely changed lives. Like Lauren. A couple weeks ago in our Wells Connection, we heard an update from our National Church Body. We heard heard how our National Church Body, the Wells, has an an initiative that we want to start a hundred new missions all over the country in the next ten years, a hundred and ten. And as part of rolling out that campaign, we heard the story of of Lauren. On the video, she, she told her story about how she was lost for most of her life. She talks about how she searched for peace in everything wrong, especially in alcohol. But then she talked about how jesus found her how god used a little lutheran mission church in atlanta georgia to to find her and to share with her god's grace and in the interview the interviewer asked her what does it mean for you to now know the, the grace of jesus and she said it's life-changing obviously and i loved how she said the word obviously because we don't always get that. Some of us who've been lifelong Christians, we take all of it for granted, and to hear this person who had been lost and found, who understood God's grace, to say it like that, it, it was so good for me to hear. What does the gospel mean to God's people? It's life-changing, obviously. Today salvation has come to this house, for this man too is the son of Abraham, the son of man, came to seek and to save what was lost. Wouldn't it be great if Jesus were to say those words at your house? But he does. Everything that Jesus did and said to Zacchaeus, he has done and said to you. Jesus knows you. Jesus can pick you out of a crowd. Jesus says to you, I want to spend a lot of time with you. Jesus forgives your sins. Jesus saves you. He calls you to, to life, to eternal life with him in heaven and to a life devoted to God as long as we're, we're here on earth. Jesus has come to seek and to save you. We see that in a little detail at the start of our lesson. It says that Jesus entered Jericho and was just passing through. You know, it's easy for us to skip over things like that, like Jesus' travel plans. Who cares, right? Right? Except, you know, as Jesus was walking on the road, after he went through Jericho, do you know what the next city on the road was? It was Jerusalem. And the very next story in the Gospel of Luke is the story of Palm Sunday. You'll have to wait until next year to hear that. <laughs> Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to die on the cross for our sins and to rise from the dead. To save us, this story of Zacchaeus in Luke's Gospel is the last story before we get to Holy Week. It ends with those words, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus was on a rescue mission. A rescue mission that took him to the cross and to the grave to seek and to save you and me. That means that Jesus wants our church to be a rescue station. Look around at the people who are here today. Just to actually do it. Like look around at a few other people here today. Every single person here today is a sinner who is saved by the grace of God. Because there is no other way, right? Every single person here today is a person who has been lost and has been found by Jesus. Because there's no other way. And so what does Jesus call us to do? He calls us to seek and to save the lost. And remember, lost doesn't always look like being lost. It could be that doctor who saves others but can't save himself, or that man who's struggling with drugs or alcohol. It could be that stay-at-home mom who wrestles with what her purpose is. It could be a young person struggling with mental health struggles. This is what we're here for, right? To seek and to save the lost. Every single person in this room is a living, breathing example Of the grace of God lost and found and there are no better stories than stories of people being lost and found amen let's say a prayer dear Lord Jesus before you you headed to Jerusalem to die and to rise as their Savior you wanted to do one more thing in this crowd of people you you picked out Zacchaeus hanging up there in that tree You sought him, and you saved him. Dear Lord, Zacchaeus would seem like the last person that you would come for. He was rich and wealthy. He was someone powerful and arrogant. He was someone who didn't seem like he needed you. And yet he did, just like every one of us does. Thank you for, just like Zacchaeus, seeking and saving us. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive us for when we make our church into like a little club just for us. Help us to make our church into a rescue station, a station from which we go out, we we find people who need to be found, and we share with them the love and the grace of God. Help us to do that, dear Jesus, to your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.